When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Chip Scoggins Very official. from the Star Tribune. We're going to talk to Lewis Nanny from Tavern 23 at uh, 10 o'clock Tavern today. Tavern 23 fame, and yes, that's right. Roy Smalley the third at 11.30. Gentlemen, but uh, I have a question for you both. Just real quick question. Smart tried to miss it on purpose and he made it. It rattled in. So the Sixers are going to get a look here. Down by two with 2.4 to go here at the end of game five. Simmons holding it. Long touchdown pass. Knocked away. Picked off by Marcus Smart. He fires the ball into the air. It crashes to the ground as the Philadelphia 76ers season comes to an end. Three days is plenty of time to prepare. Um, you know, it's not like they've never watched Cleveland before. We played them in the in the Eastern Conference Finals last Jack year. Shot clock down to 12. LeBron spins, fires baseline. Oh, he drops it through from behind the backboard. He threw it up over the corner of the class, and LeBron has given the Cavaliers a 97-70 lead. All right, welcome uh, Chip Scoggins from the Star Tribune. Hey, guys. What's going oh, on, Chipper? Chipper? What's happening? Uh, Judd Zolgad. So I was tweeting with people last night after... Uh, the, the the fourth and and final team for these conference finals was determined. The Celtics held off the Sixers, and and uh, you get so now you get three teams that you pretty much knew were going to be there, right? Rockets and Warriors, and then LeBron's team, yeah. Cleveland, and Boston. A little bit of a surprise in that Boston was so depleted with injuries. So three sort of predictable teams, and then Boston was predictable before the season, mm-hmm. and and here they are. And I kept reading and seeing reaction from people. Lamenting how predictable it is that we know we see we knew it would come down to these four teams or these three teams. Why is the NBA the only form of entertainment that we ding for being too predictable? Like we don't ding anything else for being predictable, and I think it's wrong to ding the NBA for being predictable because I think it's awesome that we're going to get to see Rockets and Warriors, and then probably LeBron. Well, LeBron Stevens. And then LeBron take on one of these all-time offensive teams. I think probably because we romanticize upsets in sports, and so there's if you take away that potential for an upset, maybe people think equate that to being boring, which I don't agree with at all. I, I like watching the best. Like I want Tom Brady to and top. Ben Roethlisberger yeah. in the AFC Championship. But, game. but I, I don't need Flacco and Bortles. But I think people or just sports fans in general love upsets and. Um, they like the idea of you don't know what's going to happen in a playoff, which I think it's weird because in hockey, that's what I love about hockey is it's, it's uh, eight seed, seven seed, it's just completely unpredictable. Yeah. But 
pretty much, if we would have started the season, you would have said, yeah, the Warriors are going to be there and the Rockets are going to be there. The NBA is also the only one where where you can pretty where you can predict at the start of a year what teams are going to make it, and for the most part, they do. Football, you've got the Patriots, but there's also upsets, and yeah. there's always teams that that at the start of training camp you don't think they're going to be that good, and then you know halfway into the season they're very successful. So I think the NBA is the only league where you can pretty much say, hey, you know what, Golden State and the Rockets are going to play. But this, to me, comes back to one key thing. And and the people that bash the NBA, it's preference. It's preference. It's why, it's why hockey fans love their sport. And it drives some people crazy. Because in hockey, you've got an expansion team in the conference finals. Mm. So I really think, Phil, that this all comes back to a personal preference of, do I want potential upsets? And if I do, then it really bugs me that, that the Western Conference Finals could be could have been predicted and were accurately probably in October. And that's right, because I mean, the people that are complaining about, well, it's the Warriors. I mean, we knew LeBron was going to be there. Would, you, would they consider themselves real NBA fans to begin with? Yeah, I, I, and probably I guess, not, right? I, I guess the, the, I think the notion that you need unpredictability for something to be enjoyable is ridiculous, and it's just like factually incorrect. Um, I think sometimes people think they want wacky, unpredictable, and I get like hockey fans are used to it because because uh, it happens on an That's annual basis. Sport. But unless you'd rather see just random teams every year, like would the NBA be better if the Pacers and Pelicans made it to the finals? Because I would argue hockey is not better off when Sidney Crosby gets bounced in favor of randomness or, well, unpredictable. Like, I'd rather see. In fact, couldn't you make a case? A lot of people say that the heyday for hockey was the 1980s, right? Into the 1990s. When who was in the finals every single year, basically, throughout the 80s? Wayne Gretzky. Like, it was easier for the best player to take his team in a higher scoring environment when when skill rose. I think both ways are fine and fun. I do, too. Yeah. I just think I think with the NBA being a star-driven league, I th- my, my own personal preference is I want to see the stars. And, For sure, and, I do too. And I don't want to see. I don't. I'm sorry. Like no offense to Portland and or even uh, Toronto. Or even like, Toronto. I was going to say that. I mean, that to me is not as compelling as seeing what LeBron's doing right now. It's just not. Now maybe people disagree. Like I, maybe people are sick of seeing LeBron in the finals. To me, I would love to see him every year because I just think it's a compelling story. Sure. And what he's doing is we haven't, you know, you don't see. When, when you watch a major golf tournament, for example, uh, like you, there's 150 golfers that start off on Thursday, and you can take 140 of them and just throw them away because, like, you, yeah. you know that Rory's going to be there on Sunday, and Phil and Spieth. Now, which one of those top players is going to win is the suspense on Sunday, but yeah. it's very rarely like someone outside of that group. When when you go to a concert, you never hope that Bruce Springsteen's just going to play a bunch of random crap. Like you want to hear hit songs. When you go to a movie, like you don't hope that the Joker kills Batman five minutes <laughs> well, in and I then like Batman's yeah. not there. Yeah, Bond dies. So I just I'm think fine it's with like that. it's just hilarious that we ding the NBA. Well, well I, we need more upsets. Do you want the Pacers playing in the but, finals? No. Yeah. But but that league to me is, is the most star driven league. Hold that up. It goes because if you dissect sports, NBA. You've got LeBron, you've got Steph, you've got Harden, you've got Paul. Your desire to see those players go deep into the playoffs is is a want that you very much have. If you go to football, then it becomes quarterbacks mostly. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, oh my gosh, the, the Patriots defense didn't advance, so I'm heartbroken. If the Patriots get upset, it can be a cool story. You get to hockey, all bets are off because Crosby's a great player and, and it's fun. 
But hockey also, uh, because guys play in shifts and they don't play constantly, yeah. for the most part, it's a it's Pansies. a different. It, it's <laughs> a different for forty minutes, you sissies. So, so I would so I would say the league that would suffer most if you did have teams get ousted is basketball. Whoa, without a because doubt. if LeBron goes out in, in the first round, okay, at that point in time, it's a great story and it's cool. But be careful what you wish for, because the third round, by the third round, you're saying eh, it'd be a lot of fun to have LeBron James playing. Well, well, you say we, the same, but you could say the same thing about hockey, like why hockey doesn't do higher numbers, because you don't get, like it's almost, you don't know what you're going to see. LeBron James, but LeBron James is the Cavs. Like, yeah. like, Crosby is a very important part of the Penguins, but they've got other players. LeBron James is the Cavs. Well, that, and we talked about this before. My, my ninth graders grew up, just loves Chris Paul. Loves him. And when he went to the Rockets, he dropped the Clippers like a bad habit. My yep. son, I mean, couldn't. It wasn't about the Clippers. No, I mean he has a Chris Paul Rockets shirt now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I think, and there's hundreds of thousands of kids probably. Your kids like the Wizards, yeah. because of players. Yeah, your kid must have loved that last game then. Chris oh, Paul yeah, he, shooting, yeah. shooting daggers. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah, eight three pointers. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, that's he loves the Jazz now because Donovan Mitchell. He's like, you know, he said, I know I'm jumping on a bandwagon, but they're my second favorite team now because Donovan Mitchell. But that's how the NBA that's is. That's exactly how the NBA is. I'm a big jazz fan. I'm I going to Utah. You know, in fairness to him, like the Timberwolves had a chance for about a decade and a half to uh, hook him I in, know. and they didn't do a whole lot. So he's like, screw it. But, you know, and there was a talk. It's like, oh, building these super teams is going to ruin the league. I think it's sort of the opposite. It's made it better. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's been the opposite of what. The perception it's was preference, though. But it's it is, just preference. It is preference yeah. Some of it's preference. But he, here's one more thing off the off the NHL. I think if you're a casual fan and you know, like you're you're not going to watch chunks of NHL or NBA or any regular season other than football because it's just too time intensive on a Tuesday night to follow the league. The NBA makes it easier for casual fans because really, like if you know if you know the five best teams, if you know that LeBron's on the Cavs and the Rockets are historically good at shooting. And making threes, and the Warriors are over here. Like, if you know the and Brad Stevens, and then pick another team or two, maybe Anthony Davis. Yeah, you're gonna be, you're gonna be incredibly engaged when the season gets down to May and June because oh, like I just have to follow like this quadrant of the league. In hockey, it's harder because pretty unlikely that you've been following Winnipeg and yeah. Tampa Bay mm-hmm. yeah. as a casual yeah. fan all year. Yeah. Like, okay, if I'm a casual fan, I know Sidney Crosby is one of the greatest players of all time. I know Ovi. I know. Um, I know that Nashville is this up, right? But to tell me that, oh, in order to really engage in the last two rounds of the NHL playoffs, you had to have been following and a couple random teams over here in the West. And TNT and their national broadcast do a great job of showing the Rockets every Friday night. Sure, they they lines, for sure. State. But, I mean, they, but they your know which teams are going to be there. Your son signifies where th- that sport is at, which is it's not about the teams. No, it's, it's not it's about Houston. It's not about the Jazz. It's about the players. 100%. And if a player goes from, if LeBron, if LeBron leaves the Cavs, everyone who loves the Cavs right now is going to bail off. Oh, Unless you live without in that city, yeah. you don't care at that point in time. So if he goes to the Lakers or the Sixers or the Knicks, everyone's going to say, hey, now I'm now a big Knicks fan. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that sport more than any, I think fans, and I'm saying kids, identify, which what you're trying to do, they identify with players more than teams without a doubt. And I think that's the way kids are now, and that's absolutely fine. But that's the shift. That's it's hey, it's interest in your league, and they exactly. don't really care about the teams. Yeah, I just I just found it funny. I think I had a lot of hockey, like hardcore hockey fans, up in my uh, Twitter timeline last night and this morning, basically thumping their chest, saying, "I mean, the, the, the NBA is so predictable," and kind of saying the NHL. And, and I would say, is is the, are the finals better 
because you might have like like I'd rather see on a regular basis a Chicago Pittsburgh well, back and forth for like five years in the NHL than just and, random matchups. And you you bring up my biggest complaint about college sports. What do we love? NCAA tournament first round yeah. before it got ousted. It's great. No, it's not great. It leads to these these underdog teams which win one game and once in and a it's while fun. it's fun once right, in but a while, once in a while but if the if the 15 seed now gets too far guess what you inevitably get a complete clunker and i say to myself get the 4 seed back in that that game would, would have been far more compelling with the 4 seed than yeah. a 15 or 13 seed or something like that but you're like right that. i mean you, you, it's apples to oranges when you're starting to compare the two playoffs why the NBA is great and why the NHL is great. It's just two different, yeah. and you said it, you're right. It's, it's just not preference. zero sum, too. Like, you can like both. I'm not Correct. trying to say yeah, it's zero right. sum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. fine with yeah. both. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to be the, the NBA is set up right now. You don't, oh, you could see any, you could see three teams winning at all. I don't know if Brad Stevens is going to be able to drag I am not this team past that te- the Warriors. I'm not counting but that team out. How, yeah. I, 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 I think, way, there's been seven different champions in the last decade in the NBA. The, so throw, throw predictability out the window. I would say 95%. Is coming out of the West, either the Rockets or Warriors, but that that I think Boston gets there. How the good a story right is Boston? Oh my goodness! Because this this is off the charts. What they're doing. the other coaches in the NBA, not that great of a story. Yeah, yeah, Fred well, Stevens got idiots. no coach of the year. That votes. game but, last night was hellacious. But I mean, this, that was old school. But with each what other they're missing, yeah, this seems to me to be a hell of a story. But back to what you were saying about the game last night. It was like the referees just either the Stop referee it. like threw their whistles away with five minutes to go and just said there was a play. Who was it? It was a, I think it was a Philadelphia player. Was it? Sorry, I'm trying to think of who it was, but he there was a Philadelphia player just trying to bang yeah, down low on the post, yeah. like literally elbowed, elbowed smart. a Boston player it, to the smart. ground. Yeah, he knocked smart. And the ball goes, the ball league, gets knocked loose. Yeah. and the refs are like, no, oh, let him play. And Welcome it, to my league. I know. And then it came down the other end, and they're, I mean, they were there was a stretch there for like a minute and a half where they were absolutely just. It was like 1980s, like. Basically, close like each other. It's like ten bill of Those officials, which I loved for that that stretch, I wouldn't want to see it all the time. But they said, "You guys are going to sit on yourselves. We're not going to. We're just going to sit back and watch." And it was fabulous. The hockey I mean, philosophy. Chipper. It was. It was intense. It was a great game. Yeah. Uh, let's chips hanging out with us. We have a lot we can get into here this hour. Get your your thoughts on Wolves news from this week and uh, what they could do to uh, to go up a level or two. Twins are back in the mix in the AL Central. And uh, Dave found a college football coach ranking list that's going to be interesting on two fronts for Chip, actually. Gophers and Tennessee. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sorry, so, uh, Chip. We'll, we'll, we'll get back here in a couple minutes with Chip. Let's talk first about TCL TVs, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Uh, you can go just basically do a Google search for TCL TVs, and you'll find all kinds of rave reviews on publications like CNET, USA Today, raving about the picture quality, calling it the best connected TV in the world right now, where you can connect to 4,000 different streaming platforms. And if you're a sports fan, that means Big Ten Network to go, Fox Sports, uh, go ESPN's non-TV channels and content. I'm a big WWE fan, so WWE Network is available. And there's no extra cords because the Roku device is built into the TV. So on one menu, you've got your cable or satellite channels. And then on the next page, so to speak, you've got your streaming channels, which leads to 450,000-plus TV show episodes and movies. Stop into any major local retailer here in the Twin Cities and just go take a look at the TCL difference, the quality. Uh, four times the picture quality of a standard 1080p TV, or you can visit tclusa.com. Chip's hanging out with us. Mackie and Judd are back. Audio level full volume.
1500 ESPN. All right, we got Chip Scoggins in the house from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Coach Perk going to be number one on that list? Uh, number two, he can't be above seven. We're, you know, we're going to say that. You already called him coach. I like now. that. He, he can't be above seven. We'll put him two. Okay, just for now. Until <laughs> you win the national championship right. this season, Chip. We're going to make you wait did like you, a half you did hour it, on this. Do you know what he did at spring game where he no. called out our fans? No. I think some, some guy was like, hey, coach, what do you think about the attendance at spring game? He's like, well, some people are here. We're not sure why they're here. They didn't know why they're here. Some people should have been here that weren't here. It just like ripped the face. Wow. Really? <laughs> well, threw down the gauntlet already. I feel yeah. like you might want to produce. Coach a game first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep turning the sound up so no one can hear them. Oh, oh that's man. I love it. Uh, you want to talk about the bears of the boat, Chip? <laughs> <laughs> the bears. Uh, how, how about uh, how about our twins getting back yeah, into relevancy? Where it's Wetmore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wet, Wetmore, who, by the way, for like five years here, has okay. been Mr. You know what? Like, takes her too hot over here. Takes yeah. her too. I'm going to walk the middle and be yeah. the voice of reason for five years. And I don't know if it was like Judd inspired, but he decides I'm going to light this take on hey, fire and bury I'm going the twins all in. in I got to the, five straight wins. I got to Target Field for the Reds Twins Saturday game that. Week and Wetmore looked at me and said, "They're done." Yeah. Now, now I have been urging Derek, young Derek, to take a stand for a long time. So I'm <laughs> not ripping. So, so let me make this very clear, Derek. Be I'm like, not ripping you. I don't even care if you were yeah. wrong. You took a stand. Be like Uncle Judd and just, <laughs> just light take a take a on fire and go down with the ship if you must. It was uh, <laughs> it was a take. Yeah, <laughs> they're done. Nah, I love Derek. Um, he's he's my voice of reason on. He's my stat guy until now. Yeah, you know the thing is, is like. You don't want to use the excuse, but you wonder how much that the clunky start of having so many days off and then and then not playing for five days and then just kind of getting out of your rhythm and, and then having to go to New York, which is obviously a tough place anyways, and they just um they were just off kilter and, and it's it's you know, having Romero up here and and I, I do think he's brought some energy and life with that with his stuff. And it's nice knowing going out on the field. I think if you're a player saying, all right, we have a guy who's going to throw 98 today and he's going to give us a chance to win. That The Lions going to score. It's just, to me, it just came down to that pitching. And um, all of a sudden, it's, it's funny how one or two weeks can change your whole perception of a team. And now all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a second. You got Barrios, you got Romero. Um, Oda Rizzi is a three. Yeah, and if that's and the case. Santana, I assume, is going to come back yeah. <laughs> and be you know effective. Now all of a sudden you're saying, God, this is a pretty good starting rotation that can take him places. Yeah, they they have their lineup has talent, and that's even without Buxton and Sano. And Buxton sounds like he's coming back sometime this weekend here against the Angels. And and they've got all of this arm talent that they've never really had before. Mm-hmm. I mean, Romero and Barrios are two of the best, just pure arm talent guys in the history of the franchise. Mm. I don't know if it's quite Johan level, but it's like Johan Liriano. Um, there's probably two or three other guys throughout history. I mean, Burt Blylevin had arm talent, but it's in that just different five or ten it's different of what we've seen. And and it and so if your team has the talent. You can't overreact to a bad start or a bad stretch. I mean, let's face it, two of the best seasons in, in the last 25 years of Twins baseball, 91 and then 2006, which led to a buzzkill postseason, those teams like stick a fork in them early in the year, and then they got hot in May, June, July, whatever it was. So like to stick a fork in a talented team like this, I think 
was a mistake not to pile on Wetmore. Yeah, yeah. But just and, in general, fans were for yeah, sure. Were killed, yeah, for sure. Give it time. And the thing that's interesting is, you know, you're going to add Santana to this mix. You're going to get Polanco back midseason, and so you're going to have some reinforcements coming that, um, you know, is going to bolster this this whole team. At, you know, midsummer, and uh, there's just things you like about it. I mean, you love the way Rosario's playing. I mean, what a player he's become. I mean, just how valuable he might be their most valuable player right now, right? Yes. And, and how how long did we to watch? And Kepler is just yep. you know been dynamic. He's a robot. We, how long did we sit and lament too? Like Rosario's talent is off the charts, but we sat here for years and lamented just the lack of chutzpah in the Twins yeah. clubhouse. Just like now, Tory Hunter goes to the Angels and into the Tigers, and uh, Justin Morneau's career gets sort of cut short, and he has to leave. And and you looked around and. It was a lack of talent, but it was also just kind of a lack of getting into a big game and you know someone's just gonna who's gonna rise. Yeah, exactly. And Eddie Rosario is that type of player. Dozier's that type of player. I mean, Dozier will rise to the moment, and uh, so I mean, there, yeah, there's a lot to be encouraged. But I mean, that first, that start was awful. I mean, or that stretch, that two week stretch, or however long it was, was I mean, because the, just the way they're playing with some of the goofy. Mistakes they're making. That in the Friday field. night game yeah. against the Reds was unwatchable. Yeah, like you watched that and thought to yourself, "My God, the bullpen was falling yeah. apart." Yeah, and so, um, but now, I mean, if you get the starting pitcher, now all of a sudden the bullpen looks pretty good. You know, I mean, they're not overworked, and so uh, I, I just think, you know, we had high expectations for this team going into the season, and when you have a start like that, you're like, "Oh, maybe we overvalued it, or maybe we overinflated what they what they're going to be." I don't think I don't think the expectations were wrong. I just think they had a a really bad two-week stretch there, and we kind of lost our minds. I'll give you three names for a re- reason to be genuinely excited about this team. Romero, Barrios, Gonsalves. Yeah. Think about the last time, since you got here in 2000, right? Mm-hmm. Think about the last time, and I'm not talking about one pitcher or two pitchers, the last time that you could actually genuinely be excited about a starting staff. It might be never for you. Well, never for me. I mean, obviously when you had... Johan and and uh, sure, I, but what I'm saying is you got three for a rotation, three though. pieces up top, and now and now you you've got guys that can slot in at four or five who are actually good themselves. Mm-hmm. This is this is the difference, the potential difference in this franchise is that for the first time in a long time, you actually might put out a four to five man rotation where you say this is really good. Yeah, and it, it, the nucleus is what we thought it was going to be. Except, so no, <laughs> I mean the, to me that's the one. Kind of, I don't make a pun, but the elephant in the room. Um, <laughs> no, that's no. okay. That was good. Yeah, it's not yeah. even a pun. He's just. But an I mean, fine. yeah, but it was just. I mean, <laughs> I'll never forget. What though. is he gonna? What is he gonna be in his career? And I, I, you know, that's the thing hanging out there is like he needs to decide, kind of w- where he's gonna go in his career and what he wants it to be. Yeah, I mean, this is the third year where he's. This will. He, we're not quite to the forty games missed territory where we were at the last couple of years, but. Uh, what has it been? Two weeks now, mm-hmm. and they're not just going to. Let's say he was ready tomorrow with his hamstring. They're going to send him out on he's some kind of a rehab assignment. Yeah. So it'll be a, it'll be probably a month. He's probably going to miss a month for the third straight season. And some of it, like you fall the ball off your leg, and I get it. It's not people. It happens. I mean, mm-hmm. Jermaine Die once fall the ball off his leg and broke it in half with the A's like twelve yeah. years ago or fifteen years ago. But Judd and I have had these conversations about. If you were to rank yesterday, we ranked our our most valuable players in the organization just like based on if you were to put them up on a trade block right now. And Judd had Snow out of his ten. I had him like ninth. Think about that 
Bringing that up yeah. two years ago. He, he would be one or two, right? For sure. Buxton, him, Barrios. Yeah. I said yeah. one or two e- easily yeah. at that time. Yeah, and he's not 21 anymore. The guy's in his mid-20s, and apparently the light bulb hasn't gone off in terms of what's needed to 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 fulfill your talent. Yeah, and, and you wonder what it's going to take to get to that. And and maybe it's sitting out. Maybe it's maybe Malder can get to him. I, I don't know who you know who he trusts enough that he would listen to, but... So far, he hasn't found it because it's it's, you know, this is a, you know, they have a problem with him in, in yes. terms of, it's wasted talent and he's just not going to get to, um, and he has too much talent to to, to just kind of be floundering like this and so um, I I hope he does because I mean when you talk to him he seems like a genuine you know likable well, guy he, I think he's a person. carefree happy person yeah. I, I don't think that that's the problem you just, you just hate when you see pro athletes waste talent. And you know what, I feel like he's sort of doing that right now. Do you know what really disturbed me? Uh, Royce's column late last week. Because I really thought, and we, Phil, we, we talked about this, I really thought the tough love thing might, might be your last resort, which is tick him off. Send mm-hmm. him down for 20 days. I don't care. Yeah. And then when Patrick came back with that column after talking to sources who said, no, that's not going to work. You don't. You can't do that to him. You'll You'll lose him completely. Okay. So now your options are what? Plug him right back in? I mean, yeah. send him out for three days, get nine at-bats, and come back? It's just going to repeat itself. So that really opened my eyes because if the tough love approach is going to backfire completely, and so now you're just going to plug him back in at third base and just say, go go get you know get him, Miguel, you're going to run into the same problem again, which is eventually he's going to stay out of shape, he's going to get hurt, something's going to happen. So yeah, that well, disturbed and, me a lot. And even... Even when he's, let's say he's healthy, let's not even talk about his weight or his health. He's got to make adjustments as a as a hitter because I mean these strikeouts are just alarming. I mean he's going to set the record if he was if he was in a lineup. So it's not just getting himself in shape and and, and that type of thing. I mean he's got to make adjustments as a hitter. Yeah, I think one thing to keep an eye on here too is when you are the GM or the head of you know player acquisition in some you know some area of the front office and you identify a sixteen year old kid. And pay him a three million dollar signing bonus. You're attached to that image in your head of what a player should be, right? So, if you have a new front office that comes in and they're looking at Miguel Sano for what he actually is at age 25, not what he could be at age 19, 21. Mm. Oh, the potential. I don't think this front office has any reason to cling to something that you know might not be real so they they're much more likely to pull the trigger or just cut bait on him in the next 2 years maybe. or maybe even like in the next 12 months yeah maybe but you but, but we've seen long stretches of what he is and what he can be and you don't want to give up on that prematurely and hmm. i think that's always you know the story of this town right now yeah i mean but but that's that's way. sports in general i mean when you see a guy who has his his skill level and you've seen it for long stretches and then for whatever reason, it kind of goes off the tracks. There's always that thing in your mind. You're like, uh, boy, if we if we unload him and then he the light bulb goes on with some other team, we're going to look really bad. But I, we're going to regret it. And I, I would say I'm I question how much of that is fool's gold at this point. He's well, still, you don't know, though. He's it, not a third baseman beyond like the age of 27 unless he makes crazy lifestyle alterations. He's he's two hundred ninety pounds, so he's he's right now he's one of the worst third base. I'm not even saying that he makes errors on the on a regular basis, but he doesn't range. Yeah. So he ha- he's one of the worst defensive third baseman in the league. Offensively, 
he has the highest strikeout rate in the history of baseball non pitchers. Yeah, it's, that's something that's just going to like get better when he's twenty seven. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and 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 I always sort of subscribe to the uh, to the theory that when when a pro athlete gets to like mid twenties, late twenties, yahoo you are, yes. the light bulb's not coming on. But I also understand. Hey, we have an emotional attachment to this player that we drafted, that we found, that we've groomed, and so for whatever reason, um, it's not clicking right now. But you, I think you just have more attachment with somebody that you draft and you groom than just like a free agent that you're willing to just cut bait with. To your point, Chip, uh, I, I think Phil and I discussed this a few weeks back. I think the last resort, if you really want, want to go down this path, I think the last resort is to get somebody a player th- that he would trust. And that could get to him potentially. That's my only thought. Is if you bring in a veteran player who he knows, or if you bring in a coach, because besides that, and and you can't. I'm convinced you can't just say, okay, you know what, tough love's not going to work. You're going to come back. You weigh 290 now. We're going to DH you because he'll be 320 before you you know it. If that's the case, yeah. So the only thing I could th- think of that we talked about on the show is could you get a player or a coach here that he would listen to and completely trust because besides that I have no clue what the what the answer is if it's not to try and say you're going to Rochester for 21 days and you're not coming back until you lose 15 I, I think I would still even if that's not the right thing I'd probably still go with the tough love and just say hey your career's on the line here you either get with it or don't oh, no, he yeah. appreciates but that. also like I think oftentimes when, when, when there's a player like this Judd, you'll bring up, well, you need to get someone in the room who can like get into this person's head. If you can't self-motivate the minute you set your feet on the floor or getting out oh, of you bed might in the be morning, right. then it's like... I'm just trying to spitball here. Yeah. I don't know. Because I my preference would be to say what, what you just said, Chip, which is, Miguel, sit down and listen. And listen closely. Your career's on the line here, and if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you're going to flame out really quick here. But if he's going to be like, oh, okay, cool, thanks, coach. Thanks, guys. See ya. I'm going to ground round. I'm going to the buffet. Do those still exist? No, but they were really good. Now the ground the round free, wasn't underrated. All the free spot. peanuts that you could throw on the floor. Yeah, ground, ground round. Ground yeah, round. Yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. I yeah, loved my, it. I feel like my stepdad's volleyball team uh, played, oh, played a, against a sponsored ground round team in like the I 90s. Bet, I'm sure yeah. they did. I just remember I as a kid round. like hating the ground really? round team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but loving, but loving Ooh, the ground round. Ground round, you suck. You're never eating there. Chip, do you want to help us take the Wolves to another level when we come back here? All right. Hang on. Their ground round still does exist. Oh, really? Okay. The nearest one I can find is Volconia. Let's go. Should we just go right now? Going right after Rochester, Winona, on Alaska. They're available, boys. On Let's Alaska. go get it. All right. Let's go get it. Chip hanging out from the start to be Mackey and Judd TCO Broadcast Studio. Phil Mackey. You called him the little guy. I don't know why you have to pick on his physical appearance. Huh? I don't. He's a good-looking guy. Judd Zolgad. Grumpy SOB. Mm-hmm. He's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Wow, we have, we have, we have breaking ground round news here. <laughs> breaking ground round news. I didn't know about this. Uh, Chip's hanging out with us from the start to be in. Trisha says, not sure if they still do it, but Thursdays at Ground Round, at least in Winona, 250 Long Island night. Whoa! 250 Long Island night. May have spent a few too many Thursday nights there in college, she says. Well, the on U of M campus, like the library, I don't know what, it's, it's something different now. Yep. But they used to have like 250 Long Islands and... All kinds of like Oops. one do- like one dollar random beers and stuff. You paid ten dollars and you drank remember, you out the door. <laughs> I remember Boomtown in Mankato uh, back in the day during Vikings training camp when they existed had something like two fifty Long Island pitchers. 
Oh boy. Uh, that, that place did three for ones one night, which is not legal, and I think had to get shut down for like two or three nights. So it's a hell of many, a many a night in there building sources, right? Is it, that's what you, oh, it's a great source greatest, building on the expense report. The greatest source building place in, in the world. What is this hundred dollars at Boomtown? Yeah, the, let me sources. tell you about that contract we signed, Call Pepper, too. Let me tell you something. Else. Okay, have statute of limitations passed for you guys to tell? Like, so no. there's stories that some you, you can, take to your grave. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. There'd be some. I still, that I would I'm still not. employed. There's one. Oh my God! Rick listens to everything. <laughs> There's a couple. St- well, remember that special teams coordinator, Paul Ferraro? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Allie Wedge Ray. Allie Wedge Ray. This is kind of crazy. Paul, can you shut up? I got a hangover. I remember standing. <laughs> this is like eight years ago. Childress era. End of the Childress era. I've told you guys this story. I was standing at the bar at like whatever nine nine o'clock at night. We're both waiting for our drinks at the bar, and <laughs> and Paul's a guy like you have the press conference interactions with you know on whatever Thursday a special teams coordinator comes up there and talks about the punt return team and what and uh, but you know we're in our we're in our casual mode now we're at a bar it's Mankato it's the new season and I said hey as we're waiting for our drinks I said hey Paul how's it going he goes oh good he was like wondering why a reporter was going to start small talking I said so uh you know how'd you what's kind of your background where'd you go to college how'd you get started in this coaching biz and he looks at me and he goes why do you want to know? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, yeah, you know, no. I'm just like, that's not how you're comfortable real quick. He, go, he goes, I mean, let's face it. I'm going to tell you that I went to so-and-so college and we're never going to talk ever again. So what's the point? <laughs> First rule of source building is have a drink in your hand to give the person you're about to build the source with. Yeah, he, you don't ask questions of them. You okay, say, good talk, coach. See you hey, practice. here's a Budweiser for you. And they're like, thanks a lot. And that's how, that's how lifetime friendships are made. That's how lifetime friendships are made. Here's another free drink on the Star Tribune. Now tell me everything. Could have used that advice eight years ago, Jeff. Yeah, I, I told you guys, my my favorite story, I think, is still 2006 when Childress comes in and you they had a side of the sidewalk that you can't walk on. It's that it's down to that. You you have to walk. The media can walk on the other side, but but the players and coaches are to use this side. And, and as Seifert said, this is a public school. You can't do that. But anyway, yep. Glazer shows up. Jay Glazer of Fox shows up. And the, the red carpet's on both yeah. sidewalks. And we are and we are all <laughs> We're all watching practice in the stands as far away as you could possibly get us. And Glazer shows up from had taken a cab down or a car down from the airport. He's got his carry-on luggage. He's walking onto the practice field. They're practicing. Like we can't get near him. And they're practicing, and he's dragging his luggage across the field, <laughs> goes up and hugs Steve Hutchinson, hugs Childress, hugs Tomlin. Takes a snap, throws a pass. <laughs> yeah, basically. He gets he commandeers Childress's golf cart. He commandeers. It says Coach Childress on the front. He commandeers it. Is Brad gives it to him, drives it to Boomtown. <laughs> Glazer goes inside Boomtown and starts drinking. And they're like, where's Brad's golf cart? Somebody realized it was sitting in front of Boomtown all day long. They had to go get it. They're like, this Blazer is a bad... Just, just bombed hey, hey, Brad, it's probably a bad look that a media m- member, you won't allow the rest of them anywhere near anything. And here's Glaze oh, drinking in Boomtown. Glazer in a medium affliction shirt, just pounding yes. yag bombs that, alone at Boomtown. That might not be totally incorrect. So, all right, Jim, go ahead. Fire it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't top that. No. Some, poor, some poor lackey oh. had to walk down to Boomtown and drive oh. the damn thing back. 
That's amazing. Um, I do. I do want to ask you one Wolves question. <laughs> yeah. Wolves yeah. Question. All right. If you were Tom Thibodeau's, let's say the let's say Glenn Taylor decided, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hire a new position that's gonna sit between me and Tom Thibodeau, and that person's gonna have personnel say. What do you do with Andrew Wiggins? Do you put him on the trade block? Do you try and connect with him with some off season training program? What what's your what's your Andrew Wiggins plan? I think I would try to move him. Um, I I just don't know that. I don't know that we were talking about with um, earlier about the light going on. Uh, with I I think he's in that same boat that I think he has so many flaws with this game right now that um, I I don't know you're going to get the value of what his contract says. I I just don't. And so I I would try to trade him. I don't know. You'd get a whole lot of takers, but um, considering his contract situation, but that would be my first step. And then if you couldn't do that, I'd get a shooting coach and lock him in the gym with him, and just say you have to, you have to just reconfigure your whole game and whole approach. I mean, seriously. I mean, the, the, the turn true, the turnaround yeah. change follow, everything. It's true. The turnaround follow-away jumpers are is just not. He should never take. That's just one not of those. the way you, you're no. going to last and be a star player in this league. It's just not. And so, there's a lot of things. You know, he's got a lot of work this this offseason. And I hope you know, if if they don't move him and and they're committed with this plan going forward with him and and Butler and, and Towns that that he buys into that your game has to adjust. Like you you could if you could make a list of all right. Here's a to do list for you, Andrew, and that list could include. Dribbling, shooting, it could include just mm-hmm. like understanding better places to shoot the ball Shot from. selection, yeah. Free throws. It's like all the basic things that you would ask any basketball Phil's player. To it's learn a five. It's, it's funny you're like talking third grader. Did you watch the, uh, the post game? I, I love the TNT post game, but um, they're talking about Philadelphia. You know, where, where do they go from here? And and Kenny Smith said, you know, they're two stars and Ben Simmons, they have holes in their game. And, uh, and Ernie said, "You know, is it just shooting?" And and uh, with Simmons and and Kenny said, "Well, I wouldn't say it's just shooting. Is I mean, there's not just just shooting. He can't shoot. And so Wiggins is obviously a better shooter than Ben Simmons. But even when you're quote unquote a max player or star, you have to identify. Hey, if you're going to you know ascend to another level, you have to realize I got to work on my weaknesses, not you know try to just stay at the same level. And so I, I hope Wiggins comes back as a I don't know if different players are the right word because I don't know if you come back as a completely different player. Go, but, go get better more, at two things. Go, yeah, go get better. Rebounding. Right. But like, how is it that he, and he's on the record saying this, somebody was asking him like two months ago about, hey, you know, you're, you're, you've are you been slumping from three-point range or whatever, and his response was, well, I love my shot. I love my shot. That was to Jace in the locker room. Yeah. He's like, I love my shot. Okay, so like, what? He's where, where's the disconnect? How do you love a shot? That you only hit like one out of every three times from beyond sixteen then, feet. Like and, how how does he think that? And maybe that's just the knee jerk trying to deflect, you know. But but you you feel like come back and say you shot sixty four percent from free throw line. Chip, it how wasn't. How could you love that? It it wasn't. And I've I I could see it when when he answered that question. And more importantly, I've heard this. He's oblivious to things. Like he doesn't read a thing. Cat evidently is very in tune with what is said about him, what's written about him, the criticisms. He mm-hmm. knows all that. 
And I don't know if it drives him, but he definitely is aware of, of his environment and surroundings. Somebody told me Andrew is oblivious to it all. And that's the scary part. Well, because, then I would try to trade him. <laughs> because if that's, if that's the case, it's very likely that he is who he is, and it's not changing. He really does love his well, shot. When you, when you watch Donovan Mitchell and, and, the, and the, like Donovan Mitchell scored 22 points in the third quarter of that mm-hmm. elimination game, and then he, he, he got hurt. a bum leg or something. Yeah. But um, there's just a, two things. There's just a totally different look in his eye. And I hate to be like I'm an analytics guy first and foremost, so I think sometimes we overvalue passion. And I mean, if you can play, you can play. And some guys aren't going to be as fiery. But when I watch Donovan Mitchell and I see that Chris Paul is his main mentor, and Chris Paul sees something in him, so that they're in communication on a regular basis when they're not playing each other in a series, and he's just got this. He's a better player for one than Andrew Wiggins at age yeah. 21. He's just a better player, but. Mm-hmm. But he's out there, and it's like his goal is to play on the level of James Harden and Chris Paul, and there's an urgency there's, to his 40 minutes on the court. He has a competitive rage, and when he plays, it's like, I want to kill you. And that's right. how and that's how he, I mean, it, you know, in, in the basketball sense. No, literally. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to kill you later. No, it, but, and you see it, and that's where, and I think, you know, the body language police, and I'm a, a member of it too, we get crazy with body language, but it, it does. It matters sometimes. And you watch it and you're like, let's, and you know, Reggie Miller at that last game was apoplectic with him. He's like, let's go, engage here. This is your, your season's online. And so you, sh- you shouldn't have to say that. I don't think you're ever going to say that about Donovan Mitchell. And he's a young player, he's a rookie. And so that's where, that's where the frustration comes in. And on top of, Shot selection, game awareness, all that other stuff, and so that's where I just don't know if he's ever going to have that switch. He's a, I, I he's a zombie. He's yeah. a zombie. He just like the and way that he kind of lo- he is. That that's the problem. Like he doesn't he doesn't realize this at all. And if you watch these, and if they're watching the playoffs and they're seeing all these young players that are playing at that level, yeah, that has to alarm them that they can't get Wiggins to do that consistently for sure. Chips hanging out with us. Uh, some people on Twitter have appreciated our Boomtown Chronicles. We should just do like a weekly segment, yeah. Boomtown Chronicles. Should we write a book about Boomtown and all the long oh, nights have, and early mornings coming out of there? We'd have to retire after. <laughs> or or go into witness protection. I'm going to write this story and submit my resignation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, hey, hey, Glenn Crevier, here's my resignation, but thank you very much. We have a list of, this is from CBS Sports, the, uh, the, the college football czars, I guess, at CBSSports.com, have ranked the college football coaches. Where does your guy at Tennessee rank, and where does our guy, P.J. Fleck, rank? We'll get Chip's thoughts. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Here we go! On 1500 ESPN. Save the date. The fourth annual Town Ball Classic returns to Target Field Saturday, May 26th, presented by 1500 ESPN. And the Minnesota Twins today kicks off at 10 a.m. with the Class C ball game, followed by Class B and Class A to wrap up the day. All the games are broadcast here on 1500 ESPN, or you can head down to the ballpark, check it out in person. And, uh, tickets are just 10 bucks and good for the entire day. Proceeds from the event benefit the Twins Community Fund. For more info or to purchase your tickets, head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword town ball. Thank you, Dave Harrigan, Mackie and Judd, Lou Nanny coming up in about 10 minutes. We got our friend Chip Scoggins hanging out as he does on Thursdays in the 9 o'clock hour. And CBSSports.com, all of their college football writers have put their heads together and they have ranked the 65 best college football coaches in the country. Uh, well, before we get to where PJ Fleck may or may not rank on the 65, 
Can you take a stab? You're a college football guy, mm-hmm. Chip. Who, take a stab at the top five here. We'll give you a couple wrong guesses. Saban. Saban's number one. Urban Meyer. He's number two. Um, who would be three? Is David Shaw on the list? David Shaw is seventh on the list. Oh, man. Um, it buzz now. It's a yeah, big time. Um, Dabo would be three. Dabo's three. Four would be... One of them is a Pac-12. One of them is an SEC. Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is eighth on the list. While one of them is just emerging into the SEC for the first time. He was ACC before this. Jimbo Fisher is number four. Jimbo, Texas yeah. A&M. And then Chris Peterson, Washington, is number five on the list. Yeah. All right. Let's scroll down a little bit here. Chip's not too excited by the list, by the way. That's, a, that's the right list, All yeah. Right. Uh, where do you think your guy, your new guy at Tennessee Pruitt. is? Jeremy Pruitt. He's on the 65. Six. <laughs> and Darnold uh, should be three. Well, this is a hard list because you put him ahead. I mean, he's never been a head coach, so are you going to put him ahead of? I'm going to say forty-two, no. fifty-seven. What? <laughs> he's offended. Come on! Oh, come on! He's a first-time head coach. You said it yourself. <laughs> Uh, PJ Fleck, <laughs> no respect. Well, we're going to play that card all season. Yep. And PJ Fleck is forty first, and here's what they write: As you'd expect, opinions vary on Minnesota's energetic <laughs> young coach. Uh, Barton Simmons ranked him as high as thirty first, while another writer had him at forty ninth last year. After his well, last year around this time, he was thirty uh, fifth. So they have him dropping six spots. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't judge a coach on one year. I mean, it's just there's not enough. Um, or two in or PJ's two. case. No, I mean it's just especially we're, gonna, in this we're going sport. to though. Yeah, right? we're going I mean, to. Yeah, but I mean this is not going to be a pretty season. It could be worse than last year. I think it will be. Yeah. It could be. I mean they're going to be younger, and you got to, you know, again you don't know what you're getting a quarterback. So um, that's you know it's just hard when you have a first year starter at quarterback. I got a question for you regarding uh, Jerry Kill. Mm-hmm. All right, I don't mean to tell Jerry what to do, but is becoming an AD a great idea here? Probably not. Is, I mean, isn't that? I, and I know coaching's a different thing, and the game day stresses are are difficult. But I would think taking an AD job, if you want to talk about stress and long hours, defines it. Yeah, in long hours. I mean, you think about now it, it, at a smaller school, it's probably not at the same uh, magnitude of of uh, you know a power five where you, you may not have the same kind of commitments with boosters and all. But you, you're still all the functions that they have to do and the the headaches and problems that come across their desk. I mean, think about how many athletes where you have just different issues come up that you have to deal with. So God bless him. I mean, he's just stubborn as can be. And that's um, no matter, you know, how his health is or where he's at. He's just, he wants to be in the game. It's crazy. I saw him speak at a banquet like two and a half years ago. So it was, he was a, a year or two removed from, from uh, maybe it was like a year removed from, from his coaching job. Mm-hmm. He was down like 40 pounds. He was energetic. He was meditating. Yeah. He was eating the best food of his life, but he also wasn't coaching. Yeah. And then shortly after that banquet, he took a job. He spoke for like 40 minutes at this mental health banquet and just lit the roof on fire yeah. and inspired people. And then takes that job as offensive coordinator. And obviously, you know, well, all, it, like sleep goes downhill yeah, and, and eating bad. And you don't exercise. And I, I talked to him a while back after he, after he left Rutgers this last time and, I guess he got uh, run over pretty hard on the sideline uh, oh, during that, a game. He yeah. took a hit, and uh, that sort of started the downward 
spiral again for him. So, you know, hopefully he's, you know, hopefully this job will at least give him some normal schedule where he can exercise and eat right and and uh, get enough sleep because I think all those things contribute to every time he, he he goes back into that pattern where he's coaching and, he, and all the stress Good things luck, there. Good luck, though, man, yeah. with an AD job. Good luck yeah, with that. Yeah, I mean, I hope he does well. He's, you know, I... I I, I like him. I mean, he's it, we've had a good relationship, and um, just unfortunate all the stuff he's had to deal with. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's when I think he, he's just he's a type A type of person, mm-hmm. and I think he 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 craves that. But the problem is that that's also incredibly destructive for him. Yeah, and so he thinks to himself, well, if I'm I'm an organizational assistant at Kansas State, that's great. But then he gets six months in, and he's like, I'm bored. Yeah. And he well, takes yeah. on a job that, ta- that that's got a ton of stress. So it, th- I feel bad f- for, for him, mm-hmm. but it's that's got to be an AD job, as you said. Boosters, fundraising, hours, no sleep. Well, it can't be easy. All the different, you know, just administrative stuff. And, yeah. and there's a lot of stuff that comes on, a lot of issues and problems that come on an AD's desk from a day-to-day. When <laughs> just you have that's that. Mark Coyle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chip, thanks for coming yeah, in. Yeah, thanks dude. for having me. Good yeah. supper. Chip Scoggins we'll from the start to be and start to be Go balls, Chip. 57th? Come on. No respect. Uh, I think Butch Jones was 52nd last year on the same list. We're going to show him. <laughs> Prove all the doubters. Prove all the doubters. Nice job. All right. Uh, Lou Nanny will join us when we come back here, talk wild NHL playoffs. Roy Smalley later on at 1130. Uh, Matthew Collar is going to hang out on the show today. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Actually, Judd, stick uh, stick here because you have to talk about prime mortgage lending for a, a brief moment. Go ahead. I will indeed, Phil. And if you're looking for a mortgage company, folks, let me suggest my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough because this isn't about simply selling you on something. I've been talking about this for a while now. I want to tell you that Prime wants to earn your trust. In fact, they would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. That's right. And now you're saying to yourself, what does this mean? It means while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to do is meet with you first, explain their plan, and then the decision is up to you. That's because this is about a couple of very important things. This is about teamwork. It's about collaboration. That's important in sports. It's important in life. And it's important here to Kent and his team at Prime. That's what Prime is all about. Teamwork and collaboration. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance... Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing cost? That's right. Not just include them in your loan, but actually pay them for you. And you're saying this all sounds great, but how do I find out more, Judd? And I'm going to tell you right now, you go to the website, goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent.com. Goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T.com. Do it today. Lou Nanny joins us next on Mackie and Judd.